Hello, all you beautiful people. This is Optimistically Depressed, and I am your host, Ruth McMullen. And here I have with me the wonderful, intelligent Alexa. Hey, Ruth. How's it going? Today has been a day. Today has been definitely a day, but pretty good. Happy to be here. Yes. Leaving everything that has happened in the past and moving forward on a fresh foot. Excellent. Yeah, so you messaged me earlier today. You were having, yeah, so I knew that you were having a little bit having of a rough, a rough one. Having a rough go, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had some strategies in place to help you get through it? Yeah. I've learned in the past few months that when I'm feeling a certain type of way, I know that there are certain people I can call usually and they'll make me feel better just by talking it out. Mm-hmm. And once I get the thoughts out loud, it can help me rationalize things and figure out a way forward. Yes. So I gave my best friend Lydia a call and we chatted for about an hour and she listened to me in this like fit of hyperventilating and crying <laughs> and just letting out my feelings. And she was there to listen and never made me feel bad about how I felt Ugh. and just was there for a shoulder to lean on. I know that was really special. That How incredible is it when you can have a person in your life that you can just call up and talk to and not feel like there's any judgment there, just get it all out, what needs to be out, and then they're, and they're just there? It feels pretty great. This is all very new to me. I have not had the best friendships in my short 23 years of life. Okay. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've sort of learned how to, what, a, what a real friendship is, and, and I value it so, so much more. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are certain people that you learn that, Unfortunately, you learn through disappointment, and I've had a lot of friends who have failed me, but I've also had a lot of great friends, and um, I'm, I'm really thankful for the ones that have stuck around and who are there to pick up the phone when I call. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to go for a coffee, or do you want to go to the gym? And those are the friends that always jump right on there. It's, it's quite nice. That's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah, growing up, um, a lot of the girls in high school and even in elementary school just were not very nice to me. I was bullied from as early as I can remember. I remember actually, I think it started in kindergarten. And oh my gosh. It, yeah. And even throughout high school, I never, I had a group of friends, but they weren't solid. I felt when, like when I wasn't there, I was being talked about. And that's never really a great feeling. No. Um, and I got that vibe because when others weren't there, they would all talk about the person who wasn't there. And I'm just thinking in my head, well, oh, if right. I'm not around, what's happening And I was bullied for really superficial things. I was bullied for being smart. I was bullied for trying hard. I was bullied for my weight. I was bullied for my looks. And it wasn't until the 10th grade when I begged my mother to let me join Weight Watchers. I begged her. Um, And once I started losing the weight, it wasn't until then where people started being nice to me or what I thought was being nice to me. But I think that was also pretty superficial. And it's led... For a while, it led me to have a very poor sense of judgment in terms of people's characters right, and never right. really knowing who wanted to be in my life for me, for what's on the inside versus how I had looked. I started getting attention that I was never used to. And it's it's really easy to just accept the attention that comes to you without mm-hmm. really thinking about it. Yeah. It's taken a long time to learn what a good friend is and what a good friend isn't. Man, I feel like I'm still figuring that out. (laughs) And I'm, wait, you're 23, so I'm nine years older than you. (laughs) And I feel like I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of the times I feel like it comes back to caring and I'm, I'm a very caring person and I care so much about pleasing others Mm. that sometimes I lose sight of who's pleasing me. Yeah. And my parents always taught me treat others as if, as, as you would like to be treated. Right. But just because you do that doesn't mean others will do the same to you. Yeah. So learning who's worth it to invest that time in, who will, who will cherish it and respect it. Um, you know, there's, a, there's this one instance that I could think of so clearly where um, I met this girl and we had known each other for a while, but we had never really chatted. And right away, once we started talking, she wanted to hang out with me and we became best friends really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because she always wanted to do things and it was in the summer and it was fun. And then school picked back up and my lifestyle changes and, you know, back to the grind of trying to get good grades and maintain a balanced lifestyle. And after a while, that friend 
stop making plans with me because I was no longer always up for a party. Sometimes I just wanted to stay in and have a, you know, a chill, cozy night on the couch watching TV and, you know, drinking Mm -hmm. wine and just chatting. And um, that wasn't always the most exciting lifestyle. And after a while, it was a constant, hey, do you want to hang out? And always getting, well, I don't know, like I need to see what else is going on. And I just knew at that point that that person was waiting for another better plan, which is why she'd never commit to me. And it still happens where I, I reach out to people and I say, hey, do you want to do you hang out? Do you want to come over for dinner? And always me, you know, going above and beyond to extend the limb and, you know, people not reciprocating and not being able to make a plan. And for me, planning is huge. That's one of the ways I deal with my stress and anxiety is by having a plan because then I don't overthink. I don't lay in bed wondering what I'm going to do the next day because I have it laid out. Okay. Um, that comes back to respect, respecting how other people, what conditions people need to live in in order to go about their day and and not feel anxious or stressed or mm-hmm. make them feel a certain type of way. Yeah, that's, oh, that's sucky. I'm sorry. I'm not. Truthfully, I think if I wouldn't have had some of these experiences, I wouldn't have learned how to cherish the good friends and cherish the meaningful relationships. And it builds a little bit of character. I mean, I'm pretty tough, so <laughs> it takes a lot to, to break me down. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's, oh, yeah, okay, that's refreshing. I like that. You're not sorry. You're glad for the experiences. It makes you who you are. And yeah. I think that you're pretty extraordinary. Thank like, you. Yeah, I've gotten to know you over the last few weeks. Mm. I think that like you're a very driven woman. And that's, it's inspiring. It's, it's great to be around, you know, you want to surround yourself with people who have an energy that you want to have yourself. And you're definitely one of those people. So, yeah, Yeah, I I try to, like I said, I try to, I try to give what I'd like to get. And, and I think that's important is being, being your own role model. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. How can I expect others to treat me a certain way if I can't treat myself a certain way? And that's yeah. something I'm, that's something I'm really trying to learn is, is I love all my friends, but do I, I don't always truly love myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that'll come with time, mm-hmm. but it's really great when I am feeling a certain type of way and I can pick up the phone and call a friend and tell them how I feel. And they, they bring me back down to earth just mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. So when you, so when you're calling your friend, then are you looking for them to, to listen to you? Are you looking for advice? Like, what are you looking for when you're giving them a call? Usually I just want someone to listen and listen and not necessarily just jump on it and tell me what they think I should do right away. Yeah. Sometimes I get really defensive. Actually, not sometimes. I get defensive often. I mean, we're learned to critically, at least in university, we're learned to critically think and defend our thoughts. And because I was bullied so much, I always put up this wall and right away, even though I know most of the time this constructive feedback and opinions and advice are are meant to help me, I just get immediately get super defensive. Yeah, of Um, course. That makes sense. That's something I've been learning to work with is, is taking feedback, but that's actually kind of what, uh, what set me off this morning was taking feedback on my master's research, which it's hard to not take personally yeah. when you've poured your heart and soul into something. <laughs> right. Yeah. And again, I just, it goes back to like caring a lot. I care a lot about others. I care a lot about my work. I care a lot about the environment. Um, you care a lot about the environment. Actually, okay, I do. I feel like it is important to to talk a little bit about your passion about the environment and what you're doing about that. Yeah, I guess. So it all started. I want to say it started when I was ten, but I think it started a little bit sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, I started scuba diving when I was ten. My dad scuba dived, and uh, he wanted me to get into it, mostly so he could have a buddy. And my dad and I we're we're literally two peas in a pod. We're the mm-hmm. same person. Um, <laughs> so I got into it. I got certified when I was twelve, and I was always watching the Discovery Channel and always obsessed with the ocean, obsessed with marine life. Um, I remember in the summers we uh, we have a trailer up in Vermont on a lake. And I would stay in the lake for hours. My parents would have to pretty much drag me out. I'd come out all pruned. (laughs) Um, But I've always loved the water. And my dad always said, you know, if you want to do marine biology, Nova Scotia is the place to be. You know, Dalhousie Mm -hmm. is the place to be, which is how I ended up here growing up in a a city far away. 
um, in <laughs> yes, Montreal. Montreal. <laughs> Not that far, but... Um, That's a good little drive. Yeah. And I really wanted to do marine biology. And that was actually a very surreal moment when I almost didn't do marine biology. A lot what of people happened? don't know this. Um, I lost my acceptance to Dow um, to join the sciences because I failed calculus two and the second half of chemistry, which works me up so much because I'm such a try hard. I try so hard to always be the top of my class. And, uh, CGEP is incredibly difficult juggling six university courses at once. Um, I remember opening the final calculus exam and just crying and just being like, I don't know what to do. Um, so that was great. But, uh, <laughs> it was like a shining moment. My, uh, my dad always says I'm resilient and mm. I definitely am when there's a will, there's a way. So anyways, I knew that Dalhousie was where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So I switched to an arts degree and I came to Dal and I started studying sustainability instead. And I was really interested in it, but it wasn't fulfilling my marine passion. I, I, was, I still knew that that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gone to see an academic advisor and they said, well, you can still do it. You don't need calculus too. That's only because you're from Quebec. And now that you're here, you don't need to redo the course. And I was like, what? What? So I ended up, um, I had to redo chemi- the second half of chemistry and I ended up succeeding really well in that course in, once I was here. So it makes me just think I had poor luck back in Quebec. But uh, anyways, I was in marine biology and sustainability and I was loving it. Um, and I thought I wanted to do more research in marine biology. And the more I learned about the ocean and the more I learned about the state of our environment and the state of our planet from the social science aspect, I just realized that I can study the heck out of the fish, but at the end of the day, fish don't know rules, fish don't know policies, fish can't be managed. I mean, it's people using the ocean, and that's really where we need to to change our behaviors, which is how I ended up um, pursuing marine management. Okay. And uh, it just, I still teach in the College of Sustainability, and I love every minute of it, but when you, I've spent the past six years of my life studying the ocean, the environment, climate change, it, it can be really heavy. And there's times where it's just so much doom and gloom. You start to think like, why am I, why have I dedicated my life to saving the planet when everything Mm -hmm. is going down the drain? Um, and it's sometimes really hard to stay positive, but, um, one of my coping mechanisms is I, I really don't, I don't try to follow too much negative news. It's, okay. it's really easy to go down that rabbit hole. Um, and I've been trying to find a way to act on this. You know, it's really easy to advocate for using less plastics, for reducing greenhouse gas emissions, for saying that politicians need to do this, that, and the other thing. But I felt a little helpless. I felt like I couldn't, couldn't do anything. And I, I couldn't explain how I felt about this for a while. And I I think I told, this is one of the first things I, I told you about when I had met you is solastalgia, where I genuinely fear for the future based off knowing how we're impact our, impacting our environment and how we will never see the world as we know it ever again because we are changing it so quickly. And I just think about the first time my dad went scuba diving before I was born and the marine life he saw. And I think about the fact that I went diving there, you know, 13 years after he had first gone diving in that same spot, and it was completely different. And that was 10 years ago, 10 years ago from now. And I imagine if I went back to that same spot where I had went 10 years ago, or my dad had been 13 years ago before that, the change would be drastic over a a relatively very short period of time, 25 years in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that's nothing. And so it's really easy to disengage with that. It's really easy to see all this negative news and to firsthand see these changes and, and just say, well, there's no point. But there is a point. And I always think there's point in trying. And I care so much. Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't know all of this and not do anything, which is why I started Stop Trashing It. Yes. Trying to turn, turn this around and try to make it optimistic and try to show that there is something that we can do. And... Consumption is a huge problem, and we all play a part in it. We all consume all the time. Mm. I mean, I bet you there's not a day that goes by that you don't throw at least five things into a trash can, whether it's in your home or out and about. Mm. So by choosing one single-use item that we are constantly throwing out, Mm. 
maybe that's a way to start changing our consumption habits. Yeah. I think that's brilliant. Wow. Absolutely. Well, and it was when I was hanging out with you that we went out and I got some reusable straws. Yeah. Shout out to the tear shop for the reusable straws. Yeah, <laughs> man. Bamboo reusable, reusable straws. Mm-hmm. And, I've, and I've been using them. And they have a little cleaner because that was always a thing for me when I had reusable straws in the past. It was like, well, if the inside of them gets so disgusting, but they sell the little scrubby thing that cleans the inside of them. So you don't even have to mm-hmm. worry about it. For me, the grocery store is my biggest nightmare. Everything is in plastic. Like you, it's so hard to navigate the grocery store. Mm. Oh yeah. You know what? I was, you know, since talking with, with you and actually another friend that I have, that's also very passionate about the environment and the ocean. I've become even more aware of how much of a nightmare that grocery store <laughs> is. Like you get vegetables, you put it in a plastic bag, you bag everything up in plastic bags, you buy a can of soup or you buy like everything is in mm-hmm. that stuff. So it is going to be a, like, that's such a overwhelming. Yeah. Especially when you're, if you try to eliminate everything all at once, it's 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 disengaging because it is so overwhelming. How could you completely eliminate all single-use plastic? It is almost, almost impossible. Hmm. It's not impossible. If you tried really, 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 really hard, you, you could probably do it. And um, our future of the planet, like the future of the planet, you know, where what we're hoping to leave for our children, what we were borrowing from our children is, hmm. like, that's worth it. That's something to think about. Yeah, I um, had an appointment with my banker a few weeks ago. Um, I set up a retirement fund. I'm 23. I set up a retirement fund. But <laughs> my mom told me it was something I should do, so I did. Um, <laughs> but I was talking to him, and um, somehow the conversation always comes down t- to single-use plastics. I, I apparently I always <laughs> sway the conversation that's, in that's that what direction. Right now, <laughs> what are we talking about? Talking about single-use plastic, which is important. Um, but you please continue. But yeah, he just, he, he, he mentioned how we're ruining it. He said, there's no point in saving it. And I said, well, he would have just mentioned his wife. And I'm like, well, don't you want to have a family? Don't you want this? I don't know if he has kids, but you know, what are we leaving for the next generation? How could you say you don't care if you want to have a family? Don't you want them to thrive? Don't you realize that there's a correlation between what we're doing and the quality of life that we're, li- that we're leaving for others to come? I mean... And then the conversation ended up coming down to him agreeing that there's a problem. And he signed up um, to eliminate coffee cups for a year. Hey! Yeah. And it's you. Yeah. And it's it's really easy once you start having the conversation and and show that there is something we can do. And it it's as simple as committing to one item. I mean, no, that's not going to change everything right away. But at least we're doing something about it instead of being passive. Exactly. Just letting this go by. I mean... I don't think we're really at the point that we can do that anymore. Yeah. But. Anyway. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So, and yeah, and that's bringing attention right back uh, to the signing up for, to eliminate one single use plastic item for a year. For a year. And that's what you're doing. That's what, that's one of the things that you are helping push Uh, encouraging people to do. That's exactly what I'm trying to get people to do is commit to eliminating one single use item for a year. Yeah. Last year I did coffee cups and I got myself to almost zero. That's amazing. It is. And that's something that I want to, that I'm uh, working towards doing as well. I have a travel mug. Yeah. I can bring that around. No reusable cup, no coffee. It's Mm -hmm. as simple as making a rule like that for yourself and holding to it. And it's, also important to remember that it's not just one cup. If everyone said it's just one cup, there's billions of us on the planet that's more than one cup. They don't go anywhere. There's, they still exist somewhere. Mm, you yeah. Know? Yep. Okay. So um, now I want to go back to what you were talking about as far as your body image goes. And, um, and, and so your body image and also being shamed for being intelligent <laughs> and driven <laughs> Like what? Like what? <laughs> how I, does, like how, so? How does that? Like how does that look? And where are you now? Like tell me, tell me more. I guess. Where do I even start? Yeah, seriously. Um, I feel like for a lot of, I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one out there. Um, 
I think being pretty and smart seems to be conflicting for some people. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean that in, I don't mean that in a, a negative way, but maybe that's my own internal thought process. No, I think it's like, like society is kind of like, you're either pretty or you're smart. You can't be pretty and smart. Someone looks at you if you're pretty, like, and like you, like you are, you are a very beautiful woman, then they're going to be like, well, obviously like she doesn't have much to say. She's there to look at, which is so destructive. (laughs) And sometimes I feel as if, um, it's almost intimidating to, to realize the reality that someone, that someone's appearance doesn't indicate their intelligence level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I find I can be a little bit intimidating because I come off as this confident person because of my looks and my, I guess I put up a really good front, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of insecurity deep down. I mean, I've never really, I've never fully truthfully from my gut ever really loved my body Mm -hmm. and that runs deep in my family. Okay. So this is something that's passed down through the generations. I think so. I mean... I believe the majority of the women in my family have eating disorders. Oh, I don't man. know. I don't know what it is. I know my grandmother was anorexic and I know that there was a point in time where she looked after us. And when she passed away, when I was seven, we didn't have a caregiver anymore because my mother was at work and my sister would look after me. And my, my sister is such a fantastic lady. Mm-hmm. Um, she's five years older than me, but because my grandmother had her own issues with food and body image. Mm-hmm. She pre-portioned all of our foods. I remember she'd buy a pack of Oreos and sit down and put two Oreos each in their own individual plastic bag. And we only got one baggie with two Oreos in our lunch. And it was oh, things like wow. that. Like we never had the opportunity to control our portion sizes ourselves. Okay. So when she wasn't around, it was like, booyah, free for all. And <laughs> I, look, I look at photos from my childhood and up until I was seven, I was like a pretty skinny kid. And then I, I, I blew up, I guess. Uh, and I never really learned what good nutrition was. I never really learned what portion size was. And I, I would binge eat and I would hide it from my mother and my, my family. And... Um, it's gotten better. I have slowly learned over time good nutritional habits. Um, and my friends make, they don't, they don't make fun of me. They poke fun of me that say that I eat really healthy. Um, mm-hmm. But it's come, it's come a long way because I, I realize that when I eat those crappy foods, not only do I not, do I not feel good about myself, it's not good, it's not good for my body. And the mm-hmm. worse I eat, the more I binge eat before bed. If I'm having a bad day, I wake up the next day and I feel like crap. Right. And, um, I think it's hard to identify what an eating disorder is because it's, it doesn't fit under a label, but I think that a lot of people, a lot of young women have body dysmorphia and what they see in the mirror isn't actually representative of reality. There are so many days where I look in the mirror And I waste hours of my life looking in the mirror, telling myself I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that. And I rip myself apart. And I know that there are so many women out there who do that. We choose the one little thing that we see as a flaw and that is our insecurity that nobody else would ever realize. Mm -hmm. And we're fixated on it. We have a problem area. I'm doing air quotes. Oh, I bet you if you asked one of your girlfriends, if they have a problem area, right away they'd start talking about it and they'd start negatively talking about their body. And it's bullshit because we're all beautiful and we're not going to look like what we see in advertisements and on Instagram. It's just not, it's just not reality. That's interesting uh, that you say not on Instagram as well, because I think that we've, come to a, po- a point where we realize that yes okay advertisements are going to sell us they're, they're selling us a product so they're going to lie like obviously make things look better than they actually are but like and I, I think we're starting to wake up to the fact that Instagram is not like the bodies even that we see on Instagram like they're using special like we're using special angles like we're, yeah <laughs> not even like sucking it in turning this way making sure you get the right lighting like there are so many things that you can do to make yourself look different without actually 
doing mm-hmm. anything cosmetic. So, okay, there you go. I, I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to be a teenager growing up now. Like I was bullied back then and I, I can't even imagine what the bullying would be like now. You know, you see these young girls. I was on vacation a few weeks ago and I, she, there was no way she was older than 13, was like strutting around in heels, wearing like a full face of makeup at an outdoor oh mall gosh. with her parents. And she was like walking around with a selfie stick filming herself. And I'm like, when I was 12, I'm pretty sure I still played with Barbies. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun. No, it was awesome. And so, I mean... I was talking about this with my friends earlier today. I didn't start wearing makeup till like this, the ninth grade. I think that was... Uh, I experimented in the eighth grade. Blue eyeliner with sparkles. It's funny because my friend said the first, the first thing she did was blue <laughs> eyeshadow. It was like the go-to. The go-to. Yeah. If I saw someone wearing blue eyeshadow now, I'd... Mm. Blast from the past. Blast from the past. Um, but it, it, it just makes me worried for the type of standards we're holding people to yeah yeah we're like we and and it's 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 strange being a part of a conversation where we're we're striving to bring reality back and so it's like so in so we are simultaneously trying to bring reality back and say, see, look, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. Like, don't be, don't beat yourself up. This is normal. Like what you're feeling is normal. But then at the exact same time, we are putting such unrealistic standards against ourselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I, you know, it's funny when you said that, like you ask any of your friends, like your girlfriends, uh, what a problem area is. I immediately had one pop right into my head. And it's, it's my, yeah, it's my love handles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it doesn't really seem to matter, you know, uh, how much I weigh. Like, it's like, they're just always there. <laughs> like, and it's like, if I just like, if I turn even, so, you know, like you're thinking about like the going to the beach and, you know, you're in a bathing suit. If you turn a certain way, you're going to get a crease. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get a crease. <laughs> I am going to get a crease. And it's going to look like a freaking like love, a love handle right there. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how did, where that come from? I don't, what? I run so much. Why are you there? You should not be there. But no, I got love handles. And, and it's a thing that I'm aware that I'm aware of and that I'm aware is so unhealthy and so pointless. It's just the way my body is made. And it's funny because... I'm made for loving. You know, you'd look at a photo of yourself and that's all you could think of. And other people would be like, this photo looks great. It looks so great. Why don't you like it? And then you try to like explain why you don't like it. And people are like, you're so silly. Like, it's a great picture. And I'm like, way to just dismiss how I feel. Like, thanks. Yeah. And that's... I mean, everyone is entitled to their feelings. You can't mm. deny someone how they're feeling. Like if you don't like that picture of yourself, even though others think that you look great, you're allowed to not you're allowed to not feel happy with the photo. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's like perpetrating this culture of not loving our bodies, but I mean Well, I think if I can cut in again, <laughs> I think that like uh there's the the, you know, I don't like this photo and people being like, what's wrong? Yeah, yeah, that, like that photo is fine. Like what's wrong with you? And then there's the, and that, that's not helpful. And then there's the, I don't like this picture of me. And then someone sitting down being like, let's talk about that. Like, let's be real. Let's talk about why you don't like that photo and explore it. And that's helpful. That's helpful. Like talking about it. The other day I was with um, one of my friends whom she is such an inspiration. She is, she single-handedly changed the way bohemians see single-use plastic. And I already, wow. yeah. Um, my friend Crystal, Crystal Ocean is her, her handle on Instagram and it's very accurate. She has been advocating for citizen science and empowering youth to make change. Um, That's awesome. Brilliant woman. So 
so poised, so wise. And we went for a hike on New Year's Day and she called me out on something that I am very self-conscious on. And I appreciated it. Um, I like when people point out things, the things that I don't want to talk about, because more often than not, those are the things I need to talk about. Mm. And going back to this self-care and caring about others, I often, even though I put on this confident front, I don't truly love myself and love my body. So I seek validation from others to make me feel good about it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that attention is pretty negative. And I cycle through people who I can have by my side who make me feel good, but deep down it's really shallow and it's, it's not, it's not right. And I want to be loved by others, but I don't, sometimes I feel like I don't truly love myself. And she stopped me and she said, what don't you love about yourself? Uh, yeah and right and I just I said it and then she flipped it back and I I just I was stunned I froze I felt like my like someone was gonna rip my like esophagus out because I had (laughs) no words to say and when I started talking about it I realized it seems so silly Hmm. I said I don't I said I don't like my body and I realized and as soon as I said it I said I realize, you know, others would kill for what I have. Mm-hmm. And it's always greener on the other side. Because right. you could be that person that you see on Instagram and guess what? They're going to have things going on too. Because mm. you can't see what's on the inside. And we put on what we want on the outside, whether it's makeup, whether it's clothes, whether it's that photo. But deep down, everyone is hurting. Everyone has something about them that that doesn't make them feel the greatest. And for me, because I never had great friends and I never, I listened to the negative things that people said, they started to seem true. I, I constantly think that I'm, you know, there was this one girl who said, she always used to say, you're not funny. Stop trying to be funny. So now I, I don't think I'm a funny person and I like try really hard to be funny. And, and so it's things like that. And, you know, people who say, I've had people say that no one's going to read this. It doesn't matter. Why are you trying to research ghost gear? Like fishermen aren't going to change. No one's going to change. And it starts to seem true. And it sucks. It sucks when you get in your head and you're laying there at night and you're just like rewinding all the things that people said or didn't say. And because I didn't say anything, then you're thinking a million other things of that they may think about you and the half of them aren't true and because I never learned to love myself from the beginning and I was always faced with such negativity, I never learned how to love myself. So I filled the void with trying to please others, like going, bending over backwards for people who wouldn't give me an ounce of their time and hanging out with boys who are only interested in me for my body and, and feeling okay with it and feeling okay with how they treated me and it wasn't okay. And she said to me, she said, since I've known you, like you've been with so many people and I, and I said, you're not wrong. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'm embarrassed about it, but I don't like being alone because I don't like the thoughts that go through my head. Overthinking everything. Oh, that person, that person didn't respond to me. So they must, they must think I'm annoying. And, my, and like, and then I start to rationalize these things for myself and I get in my head and, and then I, I start, like, I make up these, these things and I know they're not true. And that's when I need a friend to talk to, to say these things to. And then they're like, Alexa, only you're thinking about that. No one is thinking about that or bringing a little bit of truth to the situation, mm. but it's still hard because I don't always have a friend to call. I don't there's not always someone to lean on. And sometimes you have to learn to lean on yourself, which is what I'm trying to do. But it has its ups and downs. Yeah. Today I tried to lean on myself and that was super not productive because I just started crying and I knew it was coming and it, it just happened and I just let it take over and I, there was nothing I could do. You know what? I'm a huge advocate for crying. 
I think that that's really good. It sounds to me like you handled it really well. Crying honestly felt great. Not in the, <laughs> not in the moment. I mean, no, later. No, not in the moment. Not in the moment. Horrible. Not for the hour after. Not for the two hours after because my face was red and puffy. Right, and, yeah. But I realized when I started crying that, and I was talking to my friend, that like, I was crying about one thing, but I was really crying about everything. Yes. Like, yeah. And it was the second time this week that something just happened. And when it's something so small, but it's like pulling Jenga blocks and you pull one and then everything just comes spewing out. Yes. That's good. But sometimes when you cry, you let it out and then... You can just move forward and move past it. Yeah. And sometimes you find yourself like crying again, like the next day. Yeah. I'm hoping that doesn't happen because I started crying over some feedback I got on one of my, on my research paper and I have to finish it tomorrow or work on it again tomorrow. So hopefully the same (laughs) thing doesn't happen. Yeah. Tomorrow I will be with a friend. We said we will get through it together. So, um. That makes me feel better, knowing that there are others out there who still have to, you know, go through the same thing as me. Um, Yeah. And it seems really silly because it's, it's like, it's something mundane that probably most people don't care about, but I care so much about everything that I do. It's just in my nature. I'm I'm a very caring person. That's, that's cool. You can tell that you are. I like it. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. I feel like uh, a lot of, I don't know, I find a lot of people um, don't know how to care for others anymore. We are a very selfish species, sometimes mm-hmm. myself included. I think yeah, you need to be too. a little selfish at times, but... Yeah, yeah, you need to know what your limits are and understand where you can where you stand at that time and mm-hmm. stick up for yourself. Yeah, I agree. Sticking up for yourself can be hard, though. Yeah. It can be really hard. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Tell and, me about it. And then I come off as defensive, come off as arrogant, and mm. it, uh... I wonder, is there a difference between being defensive and sticking up for yourself? I think so. I think mm-hmm. being defensive is right away when someone says, I mean, right away, you, you, you jump on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Versus when you stand up for yourself, usually you're making a coherent argument, at least to me. Yeah. When you're standing up for yourself, you're making a case. When you're defensive, you're just automatically saying no. Or um, I guess you could count, like you could be defensive and counter argue something right away. But when you're standing up for yourself, I don't, I actually, I don't know. It does. You know what, though? No, I think like defense, being defensive is a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. So it is, when you say it's immediate, that makes sense to me. Sticking out for yourself, I wonder how, yeah, more, more coherent thought out means that you're set, like you have your convictions. This is why I believe what I believe mm-hmm. and don't stand on me. Don't walk over my, mm. my convictions. Listen to what I'm saying first. Mm. I like that. That makes sense to me. Maybe somebody else has an opinion on the matter. Maybe. Hey, if any of you listening have an opinion on the matter, (laughs) send me a message. I'd like to hear it. Yeah. A lot of the times, um, I have a lot of good ideas. At least I like to think I do. And sometimes maybe they don't come out in like one coherent, like pretty package wrapped in a bow. Um, But I don't like when people automatically say that my ideas uh, are silly, that they're not going to work and they're dismissed. And then that's when I go into the borderline defensive, borderline standing up for myself because I don't like being told. I don't like being brushed off and I don't like being told that I can't do something because as soon as someone says that I'm not going to be able to do something, then I'm like, well, you just watch me and (laughs) take that. (laughs) Um, If I listened, if I didn't defend myself, 
and I didn't stand up for myself, every time someone said that I wasn't going to succeed, that I couldn't do something, that idea was stupid, I would not be where I am today. I would not have even have gotten into my master's program because the program administrator said I wasn't cut out for it. What? And it's a load of bullcrap because if you ask anyone in my program, I am one of the most dedicated, hardworking, like poster child for what a marine affairs student should be. And it's and it's just funny because it's really easy to misjudge someone based off how they look physically and how they look on paper. It's not until you go into something blind with no pre-existing underlying thoughts or whatnot that you mm-hmm. you really get a person for their raw value. And I feel like a lot of the times that doesn't really happen anymore because we go into things with our preconceived notions. I think snap would I think snap judgments, like the high value placed on snap judgments, that would have that must weigh into it quite a bit. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe I'm making a snap judgment. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Okay. So, um, so we talked about body image and how you feel other people react to uh, to you based off of the way that you look. And what about the uh, people giving you a hard time about being? a hardworking go-getter. Like what, when did that start? That started in high school. I think that actually, um, it hasn't gone away. Uh, that it, it started. And I think it also ends with, it comes from jealousy. Yeah. When people are jealous of you or something that you have, they seek to make your life difficult. And it's happened to me time and time again. It's happened to me in university and it's, it's, it's hard to not see the correlation between with jealousy and envy. And like, I don't want to, like I, everything I've had for, I've worked incredibly hard for. Mm -hmm. And yes, I think a little bit of it comes down to, you know, maybe I, maybe there is, it comes down to genetics. Maybe I am like slightly more genetically blessed in that aspect where I'm a little bit smarter, but it's hard work. Everything yeah. I've had, I've worked freaking hard for. I, I almost didn't get into my dream undergrad degree. I almost didn't even apply to my master's degree. I mean, I've worked hard for the jobs that I've had. I've worked hard for everything. And uh, people make people will make fun of you for certain things. For me, people make people make jokes about you know, oh, like you're not going to make a lot of money trying to save the world, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, at least I'm, at least I'm feeling fulfilled. Like at least I'm doing something meaningful with my life. And Mm -hmm. I don't really get snap. I don't really get that, that same type of uh, negative attention for being smart as I used to. Now it just comes in the form of conflict. It's come in the form of losing friends over it because because of jealousy, it's come in the form of being accused of things I didn't do to make things harder for me. It's come in the form of not being ethical in certain opportunities. What do you mean by that? Um, I have to be careful what I say because I never know who will listen. Right. Um, but there is someone out there who I could have been very good friends with because we are very similar. And instead of seeing me as someone who they could work alongside with, it was easier it was easier to oppress me and reject my ideas and reject my successes because it I don't know, because they see me as threatening. Um, and in the end, so I guess to make this make sense, uh, I really wanted to present my research at this event and um, I love talking. I will talk to anyone who will listen, especially when it's about my research. I love talking about that. And um, I didn't get accepted and it made no sense. It, it literally made no sense. No one understood why. Um, because it didn't make sense because it was an unethical selection. Anyways, I was given a different opportunity instead. And when someone says I can't do something and I get shafted to something I didn't want to do at first, I was super upset. I didn't want to, 
I didn't want to make a poster. That's stupid. I wanted to talk to people and maybe that's just me being immature and not getting what I want. So I throw a little fit. Um, but after coming, getting off my high horse and realizing, taking it for reality, realizing that, okay, well, I didn't get the opportunity I wanted, whether or not it was fair or unfair. I can't really say for certainty what caused it, but you don't get to choose the cards you're dealt and you just have to deal with whatever is in front of you. So I made the best of it. And if that's what I had to care about, I put all of my effort into making this one thing that I did have control over the best it could be. And I ended up succeeding really well at it. What? I ended up getting multiple awards for this silly poster that I thought I made. Um, turns out it wasn't silly. Turns out it's actually pretty great. And at first I was so upset about it because I was dealt a shitty hand because someone felt intimidated by me. And um, I never got an apology and I never will. But it's in that scenario for me, it would have been really easy to become bitter and to become negative and to dislike this person that I thought had it out for me. Uh, but I don't see that as constructive. And if someone treats me a way in which I feel I don't deserve because I treat, that, treat others as I would like to be treated, I know that there's something else going on there. And so how do you, how do you fix that? You treat others as, as you would like to be treated. And it drives people insane because if someone doesn't like you and you're nice to them, there is nothing more that they will dislike. And eventually they're going to realize that they don't like you for their, because of their own internal whatever is going on inside of them, whether it's jealousy or something else. <laughs> and that's something I've learned over time where I used to get really defensive. And in that case, I would have been really confrontational and maybe said some mean things. I don't know. But uh, as I've gotten older, I've learned it's easier to just be nice. And if someone is rude, well, being rude back only stoops to someone's level. <laughs> yeah. So I just keep treating others like I would like to be treated. And if they don't, well, eventually, eventually I won't have to deal with the person. So... Unless I work with them, so then that would be a different scenario. Right. Then you could be a little burnt out if you're constantly nice to someone who's not treating you the greatest, but... Yeah. That actually makes me think of a quote by Mother Teresa that I recently read. I'm trying to remember exactly how it went. It was something like, you give until what was it something to do with love and it's like you keep giving until there's nothing left but love to give mm -hmm. and I butchered it but I've I see the point you're trying to make there okay though. excellent <laughs> I wonder like it had me I've been thinking I've been thinking about it ever since I read it, it was just a few nights ago but um it's it's very interesting to me because I also have like, you know, I, we, I'm sure we can all relate to having a person in your life that you're like, I could give you all of the love that I have and it's going to be throwing it in a trash can. It's not going to be going anywhere. And eventually I'm going to run out. Mm -hmm. And this is like the concept that you're not, when you run out you're going to find that at the bottom is more love. And I kind of wonder like, maybe until you know. just like eventually it comes to a point where I don't think that you can give anything anymore. Yeah, I, I'm more of a person who's kind of like, I believe in the whole, like, you have a, you, you know, <laughs> my kids have a thing where that they would learn at school, what is it, their, their pail, their bucket, mm -hmm. you fill the bucket, mm -hmm. like, or you, or you dump the bucket, mm -hmm. and so it's like, I, I have, I'm total, I believe in the bucket, I have a bucket, I need other people to pour into the bucket so that I can pour my buck, whatever's in my bucket, the love mm -hmm. in my bucket. <laughs> <laughs> Into Love bucket. The bucket. <laughs> into another bucket. <laughs> we'll call it a pail. We'll call it a pail. <laughs> bucket just got into, just turned into a weird word for me. Okay. Um, totally forgot where I was even going with that. Um, and so you have nothing left to give. It's either you dump all the love into someone else's or you dump nothing. Yeah, I feel like maybe I'm standing up and uh, disagreeing with Mother Teresa, which I'm pretty sure is like one of the worst things I could probably do. <laughs> I question you, Mother Teresa. It's too bad that she can't defend herself right now. Anyway, um, yeah, the bucket, self-love. 
I guess they're other people. It's it's easy. See, for me, it's easy to keep loving someone who doesn't want to be loved. But how do I do that for myself? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like okay, yes, yes. Let's uh, get into that. Asking the deep questions. I I don't know the answer. I mean, for me, I know I know what sets everything off in the in the wrong direction. Um, and what's that? Lack of lack of sleep for sure. Yeah. La- w- Sleep is my, in, in chemistry, they call it the limiting reagent. That's the thing that you need. And if you don't have enough of it, that, then nothing else will happen. Um, so sleep is my limiting reagent. That's the thing that will, it determines my, my mood, my day. When I don't get enough sleep or I have a poor sleep, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, oh my gosh, um, I live in a very small apartment building that is very old and the walls are very thin. Mm-hmm. And every time it snows, the building next door, which the parking lot faces my window, the superintendent plows at 5 a.m. And they have this really loud, like beeping, flashing light that every time it reverses, it beeps. Oh, yeah. And I hadn't, like, I have a hard time falling asleep because I overthink a lot. Mm-hmm. And so that had happened two nights in a row. And then that third night, I had a hard time falling asleep. And then at 5 a.m., I hear this, like, plow and then I woke up and I couldn't fall back asleep because I was thinking what if I have a parking ticket was it a parking ban and Mm. I I went down I went just I just said screw it I'm just gonna go see if I have a ticket because I'm not gonna sleep I'm just gonna keep thinking of if I have the ticket turns out I had a ticket oh I paid it and then by the time I fell asleep again it was like an hour until I had to wake up and that whole day sucked so bad by the end of it, after I had come home from the gym, I didn't want to go to the gym, but I forced myself there because if I don't go, God knows what I would say to myself and do to myself internally. So I just, I went, mm-hmm. at least I went, came home and I, I called my mom because I wanted someone to talk to because I, I was, because I didn't get enough sleep, like nothing else had happened that day that was bad, but I just like, I had such an awful day. And I was negative and grumpy and because sleep is my limiting reagent. I know that if I don't get enough sleep, everything else is thrown off. And I called her and she said one thing and I, and I just like that, I just started crying and it was so irrational, okay. but I was, because I didn't get enough sleep, I just, I was not a functioning human being. Mm-hmm. And so for me, sleep is, sleep is the biggest thing, but just because I get more sleep, doesn't mean I'm nicer to myself. I know I'm meaner to myself when I don't have sleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but I also find like my diet really makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. When I eat like crap, I feel like crap. When I'm eating good and I've, if I've had a week of good eating, I feel stellar. I feel on top of the world. But if I have a week of bad eating, I feel the complete opposite. And I'm, and I'm mean to myself when I don't eat well because I know what I'm eating isn't good for me. And I, and I, I say things like, oh, that's going to go straight to your stomach. That's going, you know, straight to the cellulite or like stupid things like that. And like, man, if I want a cookie, I'm going to eat the cookie. Hmm. Maybe not five days in a row. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe five days in a row. <laughs> um, but maybe I'd balance that out with, you know, lots of exercise or something. Mm-hmm. But definitely food for me. I need to make sure I'm eating healthy because that affects my mentality. Um, which makes sense. Healthy foods, good mental health. There's probably yeah. some signs behind that. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not, a, I'm not a nutritionist either, but I feel like that makes sense. Um, and also, I mean, normally when I'm alone for a long period of time, that's when things start to go a little south. I get tired of myself. I get tired of being alone by myself, which makes me quite like, if I don't enjoy my own presence all the time. How could I expect others to want to enjoy my presence? Um, but it's been getting better. I've been more aware of these thoughts when they come mm-hmm. and start thinking about them more rationally. I think for me... I think for me, learning to love myself has nothing to do with what I eat and, and how much sleep I get. Those are pieces of the puzzle. But I think it's learning how to be comfortable alone. And when mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable when I'm alone, finding things that I like doing for me. Mm. 
And the, I, like that. I mean, the biggest thing for me is I used to have way more hobbies than I do now. Now, primarily my main, my hobby is the gym, which like, I don't, you could argue that's not a hobby, but <laughs> that, that feels like I, that feels like one of the worst things ever. <laughs> the, <laughs> but, I, but I really like that to you me. Know what? If you enjoy it, then maybe, yeah, you know what? The mentality, you, you keep talking. What were you going to say? I don't know. Like it's more than that. I mean, you know, now I'd go to spin class and I lift weights and I do yoga and like, I really like all of that. But I mean, once I'm home and I'm, it's like, okay, now what do I do? Mm. And so I feel like now that I'm finally, at least I think I'm finally done my education. Um, <laughs> I mean, after six years of university, I'm pretty well done with it. I feel and I don't have a full-time job yet. Um, hopefully that soon changes. I have lots of free time. Mm-hmm. So trying to invest in projects and, and find other things that I enjoy doing that allows me to enjoy my own presence um, and not get in my head and not get in, in my head to the point where it's, it's overwhelming. Um, that'll be the next, the next step moving forward. And I know that I can always call a friend, um, but I think it comes to a point where I need to learn how to be okay alone. Mm. Um, and it's been getting better. The past few months, I've been talking about how I've been feeling more, mm-hmm. and talking feels really good. Mm. It I feels agree. really good. Mm-hmm. And that's what led me to gravitate towards you so easily, was that you're, you're ready to talk and you're ready to listen. Oh, and a you. lot of a lot of people uh, don't know how to listen. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you're a very good listener. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. And that's one of the things I'm working on as well is is learning how to listen to others as as I want to be listened to. Mm. Yeah. You know, I so the last two episodes that I've done, I like to ask the question of what. Uh, what does it mean to be mental, mentally healthy to you? I feel like you've been pretty much answering that question for the last few minutes. So if, is there anything else you want to add to that? Um, no, it really just comes down to the same three things that I've been talking about. Balance, balancing my lifestyle. For me, that's sleep, exercise, and dieting. Talking to people and surrounding myself with like energy. Mm, I like that. It's, I think that's overlooked. It is. I mean, who you hang out with says a lot about you, I think. I would agree with that. Um, and I, huh, very good. And so if I want to be more positive, why would I hang out with negative people? That's not going to help me, right? So yeah. trying to find those people. And it's, it's been really hard to gravitate who, because just because I find someone who has like energy and I want to, you know, um, be a part of that doesn't mean they want me to be a part of it. Um, so I've been learning that as well. <laughs> just because, <laughs> just because I'm gung ho, um, to befriend someone doesn't mean they want to befriend me. Um, mm-hmm. which is fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I know I'm a great friend and if someone doesn't want to be my friend, well then that's, that's on them and that's their loss. Uh, learning to not take it personally is kind of hard. Yes. Yep. Um, but talking about it with people and, and, and getting, getting it down to a level where I can be rational, you know, that's, uh, that's a big thing for me being rational. Mm. Um, cause a lot of the thoughts that we have that we overthink on are very irrational but mm. to us, when they're in our head, they make so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that's, that's well put. Yeah. Sometimes they are rational, and you do stress about things that are very real and are very rational. Um, but it's hard to distill the rational from irrational when it's all mumbo jumbo in your head, and you're laying there, and it's two a.m. and you're like, "Why can't I sleep?" Um, (laughs) that happens a lot Um, okay uh, but talking about some of those things uh, has helped me at least awesome thank you so much for sharing thank you for listening oh it's my pleasure yeah this is this has been an excellent night this has been a great conversation thank you so much for your time for coming out here and and talking with me this is really great thanks 
So uh, for anybody that's looking to uh, follow you or look at any of your profiles, what are your handles? My handle on pretty much everything is at Lex Goodman. Most of my friends call me Lex, fun fact. Um, okay. Shortened version of Alexa. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're interested in trying to reduce your plastic consumption and maybe give back to the planet because it's given us a lot, um, you can follow mm-hmm. Stop Trashing It and Stop commit trash. to eliminating one type of single-use item. That's and, so important. I yeah. love it. We're trying to get to 100. We're almost halfway. So Nice. Yeah, we still have a long way to go. But we all have a part to play. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you so much. And thank you so much to everybody who's listening. And I hope that you have found this to be a conversation that helps with whatever was going on in your own head. And if you have any thoughts that you wish to share with me, please find me. I'm optimistically depressed. I pretty much am only on Instagram right now. I have some other things that are kind of fighting for my attention. So my attention, as far as social media goes, is on Instagram. So find me at Instagram, (laughs) optimistically depressed. And I also stop trashing it because that is so important. It is. Amen. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Have a great night, morning, afternoon, everybody. Love ya. Bye.